going into the Coast Guard, so I joined the Coast Guard because I was, you know, we broke college students. These college students today are rich. We wrote that bio two weeks ago. We had $12.5 million today. So um, come on, like Dave Chappelle, come on over here. Let me help you. I said, you, you like that cigarette that's hanging out the corner of your Uncle Larry mouth. You got one puff left and it's over. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. All right, so we got a great guest with, with us on here today. Um, I'll read a quick bio here before we get started. Christy Rutherford. Christy is an executive coach specializing in helping women excel in office politics and self-care. Her remarkable achievements include guiding her clients to over $11 million in salary raises during the pandemic. In addition to being a best-selling author with five number one books on Amazon, Christy is a Harvard Business School alumna and a certified leadership coach from Georgetown University. Her expertise has earned her multiple features in Forbes magazine. Notably, Christy is the 13th African-American woman in over 230 years to attain the rank of commander in the U.S. Coast Guard, where she faced significant demographic challenges. She has also shown incredible dedication to public service, responding to the needs of citizens in New Orleans after the Hurricane Katrina and serving a three-year congressional fellowship in the House of Representatives. With an impressive academic portfolio, including an MBA and a pastry chef diploma, Christy has received numerous accolades for her work, such as a Harvard Business School's 2018 Launching New Venture Pitch Contest, Grand Master Champion, and the Edward R. Williams Award for Excellence in Diversity. Get ready for an insightful conversation as we delve into Christy Rutherford's extraordinary journey and glean some wisdom from her expertise in leadership and empowerment. With that, Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Interview's over. It's been an hour. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's, that's a short bio. Interview's over. It's been an hour. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was a short bio, but, you know, uh, it could have been shorter, I suppose, but I didn't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything. So, 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 Christy, take us back. Take us back. Tell me about your 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 beginning so and what i'm referring to is you're doing a lot right now you have you're very accomplished where does that come from did you come from a, a family that were uh filled with you know ambitious people were you just hungry as a child wanting to do more t talk to me about your upbringing you know what's funny i was i just did a client event before we jumped on the call i said you know in my mind i've really done nothing wow they were like what? <laughs> because it's because I have so much more that I want to do sure. and that I want to accomplish. And sure. it's like, I feel like, you know, we're never really done. And a part of uh, being super ambitious or accomplished, I think for the first probably 30, 45 years of my life is I was trying to prove people wrong. Hmm. You know, growing up where people say, oh, you never amount to much because you're you know, I'm in a small town from South Carolina or you want to mount a match because I was a troublemaker because I talked all the time. See, I was trying to medicate and, and, and shun my gift. I talked all the time. I stayed in trouble. And then uh, 
you know, going to the Future Farmers of America camp and, and not having a lot of black people and then, you know, being disrespected at the highest level because of, you know, being black and they joining the Coast Guard. You don't belong here because you're black. And so a large part of my life, it was to prove people wrong. And now I just work to prove myself and God right. Mm, mm. That says a lot. And I think a lot of people are driven by, by something, right? Um, your, your desire to prove people wrong can take you to great places as we see from your bio that I just read. So right now, one of your passions is, um, helping women, right? Empowering women. Before we get into that though, tell me about your journey to going to. Yeah. South Carolina State, the greatest HBCU ever. Is that the greatest? Is that the greatest? Okay. okay, I was wondering Party which school. one it was. Okay, okay. Fire school. Fire school, okay. And then going into uh, to Harvard to pursue your MBA. So, and the MBA up in, in, in the Coast Guard. Give me, give me the short story in terms of that journey that led you to Harvard and then the Coast Guard, and then we'll build from there. Um, actually, I went to South Carolina State for my undergrad. I didn't go to Harvard until 2016. Ah. So I was already, yeah, I went to the executive education program where you got to be one of the baddest people in the land. So it was 46,000 or 46 people. Uh, I'm sorry, 186 people from 46 countries. Wow. So that was that was next level. But so I went to my undergrad at South Carolina State. I always wanted to be a pastry chef. And this is before the internet. Y'all know we grew up before the internet. Yes, yes, that's like, right. That's right. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to go to culinary school. And they only sent me stuff from Rhode Island, from Johnson Oils in Rhode Island. And so I ended up going to South Carolina State. It was close. I wanted to be uh, do agricultural business. And the reason why I didn't go to Clemson was because of the Future Farmers of America camp, you know, being around white farmers. I wasn't ready. But then I went to a black college and then, you know, it's the worst because then I found I wasn't black enough. So that was a whole battle. Of, <laughs> it's like, I can't know, win. Like, huh? I can't uh, win. They don't be over there. They don't be over here. You got to endure some foolishness, right? I didn't go to the white college to fight the white people, the white farmers. Now I got to go to the black college to fight the black people because people telling me I'm not black. And I'm like, right. I'm always identified as black. Right, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I didn't know I wasn't black enough. Yeah. And um, anyway, so that's that's another fight, right? And then going into the Coast Guard, so I joined the Coast Guard because, I, you know, we broke college students. These college students, they are rich. We didn't have that much money growing up. And our parents, they didn't have it like that. And so... My friend came back to school driving a Mitsubishi 3000 GT. And y'all know. Whoa. Like, I don't know what the Coast Guard is, but I'm joining because I want that money. Yeah. And so it was also a guaranteed job. So I didn't have to go home when I graduated from, from, from college. And so I joined with the intent of doing three years, but I ended up doing 16 and a half. And if you know anything about the federal government, uh, we retire at 20. So it was a whole story of me working hard. Y'all see, I'm a hustler to prove people wrong. And I ended up burning out with three and a half years left to retire with a full pension. So, uh, so that's that's just another part of the journey that I don't talk about. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay. Wow, you know that's I, I, you gave me a chill when you said you went to the HBCU and you weren't black enough. Uh, I, I I went to uh, vividly. I recall I went to uh, Dartmouth College as an undergrad and only school, and and I remember talking to my mom. I was like, 
these these black people they're calling me incognito, which means you're not black enough. And she's like, "You the blackest thing up there? What do you mean?" I was like, "They think we're wealthy." She's like, "You live three houses from the projects. Did they not know it's called it's called the bottom?" I was like, "I don't understand these black people. These are different kind of black people. They're not like the kind in our hood in Pittsburgh." And I just when you said that, I just took me right back to that conversation. But I, I want to circle back because we had a, a chef on not too long ago, and she was a longshoreman chef. She was a chef for mm. boats traveling around uh, these vessels, traveling around the oceans. And you mentioned the Coast Guard, and she mentioned that a lot of people on her boat, the, the oarsmen or people on the boat, they go through the Coast Guard. Can you just, uh, 16 years in the in the Coast Guard, can you just explain the difference between the Navy, the Coast Guard, or just like, how did you, were you a chef in the Coast Guard or how does the pastry chef dive into that? Or were you the food person, the general who order all the food for the Coast Guard? How does those things come together or they're totally separate? No, they're they're totally separate. So, so the dream was always to be a chef. The Coast Guard was the way to, uh, you know, to not go home, right? It's a guaranteed check. And so I joined and then, I, I mean, I loved it because we did something different every day. Like every day is something different. So I spent the first two years of my career chasing drug runners in the Caribbean. So I was on a ship. And so we got uh, five sets of drug runners with $125 million drug total uh, wow. seized from joining these American streets. And then I moved, that was out of Charleston. I moved to Virginia for three and a half years. So three years. So I was the dispatch, like 911. So if a ship catches on fire, runs into a bridge or run into each other, whatever they call me. And then I dispatched the people. I moved to Houston. So we have, Houston is the largest petrochemical port in the nation. So now we're regulating all the large oil companies to make sure the terrorists, is like the new laws that were written after September 11th. To make sure the terrorists don't get on to, you know, like 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 a lot of the oil companies and blow them up. And then I went to uh, three years on Capitol Hill with Elijah Cummings, the late great yeah. Elijah Cummings. To now, so I'm over the oversight committee of my service. So it's like the eyes looking behind the curtains, and you see why why we got all the challenges that we have. So that was terrifying, but it was good. And then the last job just combined all the five. And so what I didn't do a good job of was managing how people saw me and managing my uh, rage and managing people telling me what I couldn't do because I've always been programmed to prove you wrong. And they never stop talking. So you think that, oh, if you tell me I don't belong here because I'm black and because I'm a woman, I'm going to work to prove you wrong. And so I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm doing all these things. And then, you know, in that getting to, you know, one of the senior levels in my career, I thought that they would finally give me my gold star and it just never came. And now I've surrendered my ability to be able to value and validate myself and put it into the hands of other people who are never going to give it to me. Mm. And so that, you know, created a whole spiral, um, which is interesting, but it is what it is. Hmm. No, that's, that's uh, when you were speaking, I felt like I was a NCIS James Bond. You're chasing down drug runners, keeping them from coming into the country. How realistic is these narco movies when you see them chasing the drug submarines? Is it 80% realistic, 10%? No, we chase or... them. Yeah. Yeah. So no, really it's real. Them. I mean, yeah. And the Navy, the Navy is Department of Defense and we're Department of Homeland Security. So uh, the Navy trains for war, but they also do other stuff. And the Coast Guard is more like the, you know, the maritime, the people who go out, you know, we it's different sets of laws that we regulate. So we're not necessarily fighting 
for war as much as we're ensuring the safety of the American people on the coastline and inland. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. So you were featured in Forbes a number of times. Talked in three times. Look at that. You're, you're, you're so humble, too. I love that. <laughs> no, I love your energy and all honesty, but tell me about the. I ain't bragging. I'm just saying what's true. Yeah, yeah. hey, bragging. just facts. Just state the facts, right? Just state the facts. <laughs> so tell me So tell me this, Christy. What what sort of things were you recognized for on three different occasions? Tell me some of your accomplishments that they, that they showcased in those three articles in Forbes. So the first time I was featured in Forbes, I actually, um, we were talking about, uh, um, this is when the whole, they were like, oh, Target is going to let men use the bathrooms and this, that, or whatever. So it was just the thought of how a loosely written policy, because I was, I wrote laws, right? I was Mm -hmm. in the Coast Guard. And it's like, this is when they had people who were on social media going into the bathrooms. Like men would be like, oh, we can go into the women's bathrooms. Remember when they started doing that? It was, mm-hmm. it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we can go into the women's bathroom. So it was, everybody's kind of freaked out and you have all these stories going. And and so it, the stance was, is not the problem that a person, whoever, how a, how a person wants to identify going into the bathroom is that the policy was so loosely written, mm-hmm. it can be misinterpreted a thousand different ways. And that's the problem that that policy created. So that's what that story was okay. really about. And then the second one was talking about being harassed, how women are harassed in the workplace. And then the last one was, are women creating their own glass ceilings? So I know that women do have challenges in the workplace. I mean, I worked in a mostly male-dominated environment where my demographic was 0.1%. So people look at me like, you don't know. You'd be like, police. (laughs) But a lot of the things that we do, we have a lot more power than we think. And so a lot of women be like, oh, I can't be promoted or, oh, they won't let me or, oh, they won't do this. Or somebody inboxed me was like, I got a job and they treat me bad. And I'm like, well, leave, girl. Why are you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can't. No, no, that's a decision. So it's is really getting women to to recognize what they can do for themselves and and reclaim our power so we can get paid what we deserve. Wonderful. That's a great segue to my next question. So I was reading in your bio that you helped women achieve over eleven million dollars in salary raises during the pandemic. So share some of the strategies and the approach you used to achieve that along with any challenges you faced? Okay. Yeah. I, we wrote that bio two weeks ago. We had $12.5 million today. Hello. So, um, <laughs> Hello. Hey, hey, keep me, keep me honest, Christy. Keep me honest. <laughs> oh, that, that's that old number. Why are you bringing up old stuff? Uh, <laughs> from two weeks ago. <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah. We had one of our clients actually got a million dollar increase. Sister. Wow. Hello. Wow. Uh, Hello. Um, So what are some of the things that we do? I would say the main thing, three things, really. One, we got to learn how to take care of ourselves. We need to be trained, high achieving, ambitious women who are addicted Mm -hmm. to proving people wrong. We need to be trained on what self-care is and how to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty much who I needed 10 years ago before I burned out. And, and ran into a wall doing 120 miles an hour and left my career, my good government, delicious sweet tea chick from Chick-fil-A with a splash of lemonade in it uh, with that crunchy ice that you can you can, you can can crunch on for about 30 minutes when you're done. But I left my good, refreshing government chick 
with three and a half years left to retire. I would have retired in 2016. And so I'm who I needed back then mm-hmm. to, 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 um, you know, I would just say slap me around a little bit, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to say, Chrissy, you know, you need to take care of yourself. Oh yeah. I can blame my current boss, but I was dragging 15 years of baggage before he showed up. Mm. So I, it's easy to blame the next toxic person, but he, my forest was on fire long before he showed up. He was that last match mm. <laughs> and coming to the forest that boom, that blew it up. Yeah. So it's really, how do I, and, and high team women, we're addicted to proving people wrong. We have no idea that we're doing that because mm. that's, that's a normal part of how we exist and we were doing it long before we got to work. Right. So one of the parts is stop. How do I stop, but not lose my momentum? Mm. How do, how do we teach women how to slow down? Because we're freaked out about losing momentum because we're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So that's almost like a two part thing that we do. And so, and, and coming at it from a strong point of a high achieving woman who did burn out, who did pay the catastrophic price of burnout and looking at women to my, you know, I used to be like you, right? And they'd be like, for real, girl, you know, I used to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> for real? Yes. Let me help you. Come on, like Dave Pell. Come on over here. Let me help you and, and show you once, once we slow down enough, and and recognize who we are, Dre, and, and and understand who we already are. Recognize we already got all the degrees, we already done all the things, we've already checked all the boxes, but we can't see that because we're always in the pursuit of proving somebody wrong. Once mm-hmm. they slow down and start taking care of themselves and 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 coming back into their minds and coming back into their households so their kids ain't that they ever talking about their mama for the next 30 years. And then, and then recognizing and owning who they already are. Oh, the money's easy after that because you're just owning who you already are. Mm-hmm. Now let's go get this money. Right, right. So get the bag. Yeah. So, so Christy, tell me this. So clearly, you're the answer for people like you. They don't realize they're, they're like you in terms of you know driven, wanting to prove people wrong. What they don't, what they don't realize is there is life after this. This is not, you know, the only option. So you're the answer for them in that respect. Who was the answer for you when you when you realize that hey, this is the match, this light that's going to light this, you know, this final spark for me to get out of here. Did you have a mentor that helped you through that transition? How did you go from you know sixteen and a half years? And, and into your next your next uh, chapter in life? I had a coach and mm-hmm. I had three therapists. Okay. And one of them, the first one, when I was burning out, uh, wanted to medicate me. And I was like, dude, I cussed him out and tried to tear the humans off the door because I went to him and he talked to me for 30 minutes and told me who I was. And then he said, I need to medicate you immediately. But he only listened to me talk for five minutes. And so I wasn't seeking medication. I was seeking a solution. Like, tell me how I got to, I'm an action oriented person. I'm not, I didn't come here to complain about what I wasn't willing to change. I didn't come here to talk about what I wasn't willing to change. Give me the root of how I got here so I can fix it so I can get out of this situation. And so he ain't like that. So I tried to tell him this off the note, cuss him out. 
And and by the time a high achieving woman admits to ourselves that we're in trouble, we almost 90% dead. Like we got third degree burns all over our body. By the time we confess to other people that we need help and get a therapist, only thing we got hanging out the ground is our finger, right? We buried like one of the skeletons in the Michael Jackson thriller video. Like it's <laughs> only thing left out the ground is our finger, right? Mm. And so to to go there and to confess that I don't have it all together and I'm not perfect and I'm the great Chrissy Rutherford so I can't even really be here and let everybody know that I need help and that I am on fire because I am the one of the first people in my family to graduate from college one of the first people to earn over $100,000 I'm the great Chrissy Rutherford I am a, a, a very notarized leader in the organization who should not be having any problems and who should secretly be miserable with all that she has so by the time I confess to somebody that I'm in trouble, I'm almost dead anyway. And so to have this guy, you know, want to medicate me and not give me a solution, that that didn't work. And so then I had to drive like another hour and a half to Houston to see a lady who all she did was just let me talk. And I was like, so you're going to dig up the skeleton. You're going to leave it with me. <laughs> <laughs> you can take that. You can take that with you when you leave. <laughs> well, yeah. like, Right, like, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna pour out. Right, right. Talk about some ish. Right, and and dig the skeleton up and aim like this. Okay, we're done. Hold up. Let me know what this thing is done. Up. And then we come the next week, we dig up another one. So now I'm dancing in the Michael Jackson video at the with these skeletons that we dig up, and we're not putting away. But at the same time, I had a coach who I could not be the same person. In, 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 or talking about the same thing in December that I was talking about in November. I could not be talking about the same thing or even thinking about the same thing in January that I did in November. So it was the, it was like the ladder that I could climb out of the situation while other people was just letting me sit there in it. So either you, you have somebody who's going to give you the rope and I'm not knocking therapists. I signed out a lot of them uh, because I had three of them. When I'm on fire, I don't want to be sitting here talking about why I'm melting. Give me some rope and help me get out of here. Give me, give me understanding of how I got here. How do I get out? As opposed to just, let's just talk about why I'm here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she played a pivotal part of me not dying. And then two of my friends. So I'm, cause I'm still melting. Right. And, um, it was, and, and I'm just, I'm not showing up for meetings. I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering. I am, I, I stopped combing my hair. You know, when a sister stops combing her hair. It's, it's real. It's real. I am about to die, but I'm locked into this illusion of success. And I'm Commander Rutherford. Does that make sense? And I'm not supposed to be on fire. And, and I'm telling people that I'm blacking out in meetings. And they were like, well, you need to put it on your medical record to get paid. And I'm like, but are you listening to me? So I'm suffering while people are applauding my success. Mm. I'm suffering and I'm melting while people are applauding my success. And so nobody was listening to the suffering soul because when you create a strong brand, people don't see the suffering person. They only see the brand that you created. And so when, when the suffering person is in trouble, case Spade, like who's listening to Kate Spade who got problems? Yeah. Nobody. Like you, Kate Spade. You have an international luxury man. Your first and last name that she sold, right? Oh, you have problems with your husband, girl. You can buy a new husband. So it's like super successful people 
are suffering and nobody's listening because they're only talking to the illusion of the brand that we created as opposed to the suffering persons. But I had two friends out of the hundred people that had me on speed dial. That was like, man, just go. Cause me to leave with three and a half years left was insane. I was insane. Let's be clear. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. But, but nobody was willing to recognize and agree with me that I was in trouble. But two of my friends like, man, just, just go, just run and we'll figure it out. And so I ran like Tina Turner ran from Ike. Like I had to mm. run for my life mm. because I, I I am so grateful as I'm looking at, you know, only then we see an RIP every day. Mm. Women are dying at their deaths. Black mm. women are dying from cancer. We're mm. having heart attacks. We having strokes. I, mm. I am grateful that I didn't stroke out or have a heart attack because I was on the ledge. And so when I talk to a lot of women, they're right where I was. I know what burnout sounds like. I did it. I know what being almost, you know, catastrophic death sounds like. I almost did it. I Mm. know the code words. I know the vibration. I know the feeling. I know that they're hiding it and I know they can't tell anybody. And so part of what I do is, you know, remove the shame of having it all and feeling like you have nothing because I did it. Mm. Yeah. The picture you painted, Christy, is one that, you know, in this, in the culture that exists today, you can, you know, look any direction and see how everyone strives for these material gains, right? Mm-hmm. And the challenge is what you just described, the Kate Spades of the world. Yourself, uh, thankfully, you were strong enough to, well, you, you had resources to kind of help guide you mm-hmm. through it. But they create almost this uh, insular or this vacuum environment where they either feel like they can't speak to anyone about it. Uh, no one can really appreciate it because like you said, you're the commander, right? Mm-hmm. And who's going to believe that the commander can't man the ship? Who's going to appreciate and understand the commander can't man the ship? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you were able to, you know, you had the resources, those two people and others, I'm sure that told you, Hey, Christy, you know, let's, let's, let's make this pivot and make it happen. And now the end result is you're helping you know, I imagine hundreds of people across across uh, the U.S. You know, get out of these situations that you found yourself in. Smiley. Wow, I'm just sitting here, and you you touched upon so much, Christy, and and I I respect and appreciate your honesty, your integrity, and especially when you said the illusion of success, because I think a lot of us who are first generation college, first generation perceived success. Everyone looks at the material side and thinks that you're wealthy or just because you hit six figures or whatever money you made, oh, their life has to be perfect. Like they have no other challenges. Like money is just the the blanket that makes sure everything is perfect, but that really isn't true. And, and one last thing I'll mention is we had on our podcast early on a couple of psychiatrists and mental professionals and I was surprised because out of a, a large percentage of them said that they had therapists. Here they are, the professionals. And, and for us as adults and professionals or people who just need that support, they provide a valuable, valuable information about ourselves and a foundation that allows us to reassess, recalibrate, and go forward. So, But the, the question, I want to switch it a little bit on you, a little bit of I, I would, I mean, going over your accolades, and I love it when you correct Dre because three Forbes editions is better than two, and in twelve million, it's a million greater than eleven. But from a Christie Rutherford perspective, when you look in the mirror and you say, 
I am most proud because I graduated from the HBCU. I, I caught Noriega's drug submarine or what was something that just made you that you even reflect on is like, you know what? I did a thing. I feel so proud and accomplished because this other stuff I was doing to prove someone else wrong. But what did you do that just made you feel humbled? And you just say, you know what? This is what I'm standing on because I was so happy when I spoke at my cousin's reunion. Who knows? Whatever that is. What would that yeah. be for Christy? Uh, it's a lot, but um, <laughs> it's a lot because I do a lot. <laughs> but you know, I went to culinary school. I graduated. I went to culinary school in in two thousand four uh, and got my certificate as a pastry chef. And then I also went last October in Vegas for about five weeks. But one thing, you know, we talk about these women's raises. Like I tell people, I've been in the game for a long time. I was a mentor in the Coast Guard. I eat. I worked for free as a mentor while I did my job. And so the Coast Guard now has the largest number of captains, which is a colonel equivalent in history ever. That was me. Right. I created a mentorship network in 2009 and had to fight. And when I say fight claw, you know, it's one thing to uh, to, to fight the people, to fight the man. Right. Because you got to fight them. But now I got to fight the black people. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just creating a solution to what y'all been complaining about for the past 10 years. Why are we fighting? They're like, but that's not your job. I'm like, but y'all been complaining about it. We can help ourselves. Does that make sense? Like we can't keep looking at the same thing. It's a, I, I say the exact same thing today. We can't keep looking for other people to give us what do we have control over? So I created a mentorship network and caught when I say caught, caught H E L L to now try to to advance and senior leadership starts at the very junior levels. It don't start at the mid level, right? So now in twenty twenty. You know, we had the largest number uh, of black captains be selected. And, and a lot of them were my direct mentees. I was like this. I told y'all. But it took 15 <laughs> years to prove that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, now I think, I mean, so when I went to my friend's uh, promotion ceremony, I think they said it was like 19. I was like, what? And I'd be like, that was me. <laughs> um, so, so, the you know, we had the the... the and, 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 you know, humble people like that was me and so and so and so and so. I'll be like this. No. Um, but then a part of, you know, the $12.5 million in raises, what, you know, we've saved 25 marriages. We've stopped 20 women from dying and having a nervous breakdown. We've, we've, we've gotten women off of medication. We've, um, you know, kept hundreds of kids out of therapy talking about their mama. So that's more impressive to us than the money. But most people, as y'all said it, most people think they need the money. They think their jobs are the problem. And I'm like, why are we talking about jobs when you crazy? Mm. Why, why are we talking about jobs when you gonna have a stroke in two months? Like, mm. why are we talking about this job? When I told one of my clients, I said, you you like that cigarette that's hanging out in the corner of your Uncle Larry mouth. You got one puff left and it's over. <laughs> right? like, you about to burn out. You got that, that, that cigarette dangling out the side of your uncle's mouth. Right? And... and and, and you're going to die. Why are we talking about this job? So that's more, um, uh, I would say, no, it's not therapeutic, but that's more warming to me than the money. But we're going to get this money too. Because to put $12.5 million, you know, at least 12 of that uh, uh, into the households of black families, let's go get this money. So we, we think it's either or we can have both. 
No, I am. One thing is, I remember I met this lady. She's here in Tampa. I live in Tampa, Florida, and she's from Lakeland. And she has her own law firm. And she said her, her when she was a senior in high school, junior in high school, and her friends are like, what do you want to do when you graduate? And she said she didn't even get a, a chance to respond. And her friend said, well, you're a good writer. You should be a lawyer. Then this guy said, oh, she'll never be a lawyer. She's too dumb to be a lawyer. And she said that was God talking to her because she went to undergrad and in law school, and now she owns her own law firm, all because this guy told her because she couldn't do something. And she didn't even know that she wanted to be in law. And now she has her own practice and everything. So tell me, because I have a 16-year or 15-year-old daughter, how is what's the root cause of someone telling you you can't do something that will change her path? Maybe she wants to be a a medical professional, but someone's like, you can't be a lawyer. And then all of a sudden she changes to be a lawyer to prove this one entity wrong. Is that, is that typical in the, in our, in women in general or black women in particular, that someone just tells you something and you want to prove them wrong versus I forget you and your, your ideas. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to be this master lifeguard or whatever. I don't care about being a lawyer or whatever, but what's the, what's the catalyst for that? Because do you find it's bigger in women versus men? Because someone tell me, I can't do so. Like, man, if you ain't on my path, I don't really care. I just keep it moving. But I think women might internalize it. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Women, women internalize it a little bit differently. But it's but here, here's the thing. A lot of these women today who talk about a high function depression, high function anxiety, and you know all these labels. I call them medical terms to to be able to allow you to wear the label of a loser. And and I said it. Uh, Cause now you're not being in the fullness of who God called you to be. Right. So I had a client who was say she was high folks in the depression and I cussed her out. I stopped cussing two months ago. It was kind of sad, but I had to. And so it's like, okay, so let's figure out why you're depressed. Cause I don't, I don't believe in a high function depression. High function of depression is knowing that you crazy. You're not going to do nothing about it. That's pretty much acknowledging that you, you, you crazy. Or you, I used to be depressed. So that's all this ish I talk. <laughs> I used to have panic attacks. I had anxiety. I was depressed. I had PTSD. All the stuff I told, I used to be that. Mm. So I can stand on a different soapbox and be like this. Yeah, I, I remember. You you just choose whether or not you're going to accept that label. Anyway, moving on. So um, come to find out, she's actually a poet. She's not, but she's a super successful intellectual property attorney. So she wanted to be a poet, but her mom and them, who was educated, was like, uh-uh, you ain't going to be no poet out here. So you come over here and you be a lawyer. So now she's a lawyer, 40-something, got kids, checked all the boxes, but she's depressed because mm. she let go of that artistic expression of who she was to be normal. So I, when, when you talk about the, the, the woman who's a lawyer, I wonder if she's happy because that may not be what she wanted to be. I had another lady who's a, a, an engineer she got like a PhD, but she's a mechanical engineer. She's actually an artist. Talking about she depressed. I was like this. So let's go dig up what had happened. Well, her mom and them said, you ain't gonna be no artist. The educated parents, you will come over here, you will go to college, and you will be an engineer. So now she's PhD and engineer, you know, has all these degrees and making all this money, but her heart wants to be an artist. So once we dig that up, now how can we how can we make married with the two? So the poet now writes the poetry as a super successful intellectual property attorney who got a 40% raise. Hello. Right? Now the artist who is an engineer uses her engineering mind to now create uh, workshops 
for companies to help their teams innovate and um, and be more agile through art. So she created a business around that. Mm. So at 40 something, if you're stuck or you're miserable or you're depressed, you can't tell anybody because you're super successful. So they're trapped right where I was. It's like you actually forgot what you did and who you are in the pursuit of being successful. Now you're successful, you're miserable. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, so let's go back a bit, Christy. So among your many professional accomplishments, uh, one of which <laughs> was you being the grandmaster champion of Harvard Business School's Launching New Ventures Pitch Contest. Tell me about that and how you leverage that experience and what you do today. Um, so when I left my career with three and a half years left to retire with the full pension, then <laughs> I, uh, I ran for another year and a half because I never stopped long enough to work on my mindset. I just needed the money because I'm Christy Rutherford. So I'm still working to now prove that I was because they talked about me when I left. I, I mean, some of the people that I, that, that were my friends, oh, they called me stupid. She crazy. I was crazy. Let's be clear. <laughs> And, but I would have died within a year. But I think most people would have been more satisfied with me dying of having a stroke than they would have been for me making a decision to save my own life. Mm. I took the uncommon path. Mm. And so now, after a year and a half, I exploded because I never stopped. I was already crazy when I left, but now I'm crazy. So when I, so when I listen to these women, and I'm going somewhere with this, talk about I'm going to leave my job for entrepreneurship. That don't mean me making money. I'd be like, you better not leave that good job for entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship requires 120% brain capacity and we leave it empty. Don't nobody tell us that. Don't nobody tell me. I joined this network marketing company. I was going to be rich in two months selling coffee. Y'all know how they do. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to be a coffee millionaire in two months, baby. And uh, I blew all my money. So all the six figures that I had saved, you know, after 18 months, I never stopped to fill my cup and work on my mindset because now I'm frantic because I'm Christy Rutherford and and I failed and I left my job and I'm crazy. Right. Mm. And so uh, so I ended up moving in with my brother for three and a half years because when I exploded and when I finally collapsed mentally. It was catastrophic. I could not create, I could not coherently create a sentence for a year. Mm. I was drunk on his couch drinking. This is why I have this jar, this mason jar that I drink out of, because it it takes me back to other days. (laughs) I drink out of a mason jar. I was drinking red berry syrup with muscadine juice out of a mason jar, eating Little Caesar's pizza, cheese and snack mix, and nutty balls. Y'all was a whole hot mess for a year. And so I had no money. I like I because because once I when I left the Coast Guard, I didn't focus on my mindset, and then I only focused on the money. But I couldn't get the money because I never focused on my mindset. Mm. So when my mind went, everything went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm incapable of making money. I, like I I can't create. I can't even talk. So um, anyway, so that was that. So that was 2013, 14, 15, um, 16. I got into Harvard. With no money, but a vision. But I had the GI Bill. And so a part of Harvard was I was better and I cleaned myself up and I figured out how I got there. So I could systematically, you know, deconstruct how I got to land it where I was and now I'm climbing out of it. 
And um, so Harvard for me was a way to translate all the stuff that I did in the Coast Guard, because I was great, into corporate, because the language is completely different. Mm -hmm. So while I was there, I was like, that's how y'all say that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's how you say that? So it was the interpretation of how do I not convert the the great stuff that I did and who I was into a language that was going to be marketable. And so going to, you know, that class and, and, and winning a pitch competition was me just demonstrating who I was, but it was also, you know, being featured in Forbes three times, writing, you know, five books in eight months. Mm. And, you know, I've been featured in black enterprise. I was featured by Harvard business school nine times in six months. They hung a flag, a picture of my flag up at the international leadership, like all these things. Y'all didn't read my words. Y'all see me talking. So now, It it became, I had to, now I have to really like prove myself right because that being a loser, (laughs) (laughs) just because I was losing didn't make me a loser, but you couldn't tell me that at the time. Three and a half years in my brother's house with no money. I'm telling you, I was like the children of Israel. My clothes never wore out. (laughs) I had no money. Like when I say no money, I made more money when I was 14. Like I had no money and uh, and I never filled out my veteran affairs paperwork. I talked to that dude yesterday, actually. He was like, you know, you had 24 medical conditions you could have been paid for. And and that's a part of my story I'll maybe talk about this year. But it's like I didn't I, I, I had he said you have. I said, no, I had I had 24 medical conditions when I left the Coast Guard. I, I was a hundred percent can't work. I could have been compensated for my brokenness, but that wasn't the journey that I wanted. I didn't, I, I wanted to be better and I knew I could be better. Mm. And it always seemed like a good idea till th- the next year will pass on so New Year's Eve when I be writing down my goals, be like this, I got $10. <laughs> 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 I So, so that win at Harvard Business School in a pitch competition, yeah, 
was just, it was just the next evolution of proving people <laughs> wrong and showing y'all how great I am over here. Even if I might not have no money, baby, I'm going to beat the brakes off of this competition. Can the church say amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. I mean, obviously, you know, that, that, that journey was challenging. It was trying. It was hard. But it's all of uh, what you went through has made you who you are now. And the amount of people, the extent you're, to which you're able to help them, you know, that's, you know, they got to love that. I'm sure your clients, you know, the, my guess is you probably don't have to do much advertising. My guess is your clients are like, yo, you got to check out Christy. Here's where I was. Here I, here's, here I am. And she's the, the, the source of the reason for it. Am I, am I right about that? No, it's no, it's no. No, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. It's like, I talk to women and they're terrified to change. They're they're terrified to believe they can have a better life. I can't believe it. (laughs) Right? Like, because you're coming over here talking about a better job and I'm like, but you can live a better life. Now I'm a fraud. What? What are you talking about? Like, I am what I teach. So I can believe that if you have high blood pressure, you don't have to have that. Like, cause we've done that, not just for myself, but for my clients. And so sometimes I have a client who's, uh, I think she, she's 33 now, but she had fibroids, endometriosis. She had three surgeries on the fibroids, endometriosis. She stuttered since she was three and she had high blood pressure. And I said, man, come on over here. You know, because I healed. Do you hear me? All right now. I know her stuff is stress rooted. I said, you know what? Come on over here. Your tongue gonna relax. Your uterus gonna relax. And I didn't know she had high blood pressure. I know she was a whole hot mess. And so four months later, she woke up one day. I like to let her talk for like thirty minutes. She been stuttering since she was three. She don't stutter no more. Wow. Right. And and the fibroids and the endometriosis went away. She don't take medication. She don't even take Motrin for cramps. And then she don't have high blood pressure no more. And so now it's like when she tells people that they can heal, they they get angry because they don't want to hear that because they've learned how to cope. Mm. And so now, you know, living in a world where high function anxiety, mm-hmm. adult autism, adult ADHD, and all these things, when I be talking, people get mad because... I'm, I'm, go, I'm creating a new conversation. If women have been told for years that we should work three times as hard to make half the pay, and I'm over here talking about we've doubled 20 women's salaries and triple nine and got five women, five sisters, seven-figure packages, I got to fight these chicks. Mm. It's just like they don't believe it. Mm. And, it's, and, and they don't believe that it's possible for them. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's, okay. it's rewarding because I'm aggressive. But it's hard because it's almost like the 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 belief system, it wasn't as bad. I would say they're more pliable in 2020. In 2013, I'm drilling on freaking concrete right now to try yeah. to get these women to believe that they shouldn't exist like I did 15 years ago and that mm. they can be better and that they can be happy and have the job. But some but a lot of women that I talk to believe that they can get a better job uh, easier than they can have a better life, which is tragic. So tell me this, two, two quick questions for you. They want to head to the, uh, to the uh, final four. The first one is you've accomplished a lot. We've established that. 
Uh, I, I'm excited about your accomplishments. You're very proud of them, as you should be. What's next? That was the short bio, but go ahead. Uh. <laughs> so what's what's uh what, what's next for Christy? What are your aspirations at this point? What are your oh goals? my goodness? So my goal is to get ten thousand women a billion dollars in promotions by 2025. So that you know I'm dragging. That's why I was doing the event. I'm dragging my clients. Like y'all supposed to get fifteen million dollars since she was wrong, y'all. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I need y'all to get this money so I can hit my goal. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's that. Um, I'm looking at this year. Finally, I'm like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I, I got to, I got to launch this, um, my chocolate company. Right. So I want to do a subscription box for chocolates and, and, and pastries or whatever. So, you know, we're just talking about that. So I'm looking at, you know, how to be able to make that happen. Hmm. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's just a journey and the evolution of talking to more people. And so I feel like my company is the best kept secret because last year I, I, I rested because I, because I ran out of money while I was running, then I ran into the wall, then I ran out of money and now I got to get up and, and like accomplish all these things and be on fire and now have, you know, last year we were at $10 million. And, and I think I reached a point last June where I was working with my coaches. I said, you know what? I will never be broke again. Because if you have money and run out of all your money and then you get the money back, it, the, the being freaked out is like a whole different level than if you started from the bottom, now you're here. Right. You started from the bottom, go up and hit the bottom. That's a whole different level. <laughs> right? So last July was the... Oh my God, I will never <laughs> be broke again. So I took a rest. So last year was my rest year and mm. we still did better. It was our best year ever. Wow. And so this year is like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll come out here in these streets. And yeah. cause I, I was doing a lot of podcasts last year. I wasn't talking to a lot of people because I, I wanted to rest mm. um, and now gear up for, you know, massive domination to be able to come out and let women know that you know, we can go and, and we can have wholeness and we can have our mindset and we can have our families and we can double and triple our salary. So that's what's next is like, you know, speaking on more global stages and I'm mm -hmm. launching a podcast and, um, you know, within the next month to be able to, to share more, the second podcast, right? Share more insight and share more stories and, and just have more impact and come out on a greater scale. So that's, I would say that's next. Great. Great. And then you're pretty, you're pretty open, it seems. But what's one thing most people don't know about you that you wish they did? I used to drive a tractor in high school. So just in case y'all didn't know, I used to drive a John Deere and a Massey Ferguson, John Deere 935. So I am very domestic. So this is funny. Y'all would like this. That's impressive. Domestic. That's impressive. Domestic, yeah. He's domestic. Yeah. Well, well she, she I, I know that she said she, she, she can handle the house, you know, and the home. And the landscape. And the landscape. And the landscape. I was going to say, I think you're the first podcast guest that can claim, or not claim, that can drive a John Deere. 
I'm yeah, fascinated. And that's Ferguson with a little spray tank on the back. That's how I learned how to drive a stick. Because if you let off the clutch too fast on a tractor, it'll turn over. So oh, you got to learn how to let off the clutch. Problem. You got to ease off of it. Yeah. Yeah. If you let off too fast, you got the little tank on the back. The wheels pop up. So you got to learn how to let off that clutch easy. But uh, <laughs> I'm from South Carolina. So. <laughs> I'm dying. I That's awesome. I cook. Okay. Uh, I can sew. Okay. I made my prom dress and 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 other people's clothes and dresses. Uh, I landscape. I do crafts. Okay. Uh, I know how to change my oil. Hello. Uh, I can put together all kind. You know, this is back in the day. Now stuff comes put together. Y'all know. Right, I, right, I, I right. I gave my brother a screwdriver with my with my uh, Bowflex I had. He was like, <laughs> like a gallon-sized Ziploc bag of screws. We had to go buy a drill, right? Put together. You know, we put together the fabricated entertainment yep. centers back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I put all that stuff together. Um, so it's, it's interesting now because people look at me and they're like, and I'm always somebody's mama, right? Packing the snacks. I don't have kids, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was babysitting when I was 12. Okay. So I'm good on that checkbox. Okay. You know, I'm rich okay. auntie. We good. Right. So, you know, a lot of times and, and what I had to learn during my three and a half year of, of self-discovery, uh, self-remembering, I would just call it. Cause I just had to remember mm. who I was. Yeah. Is like at this level and at this stage of where I am in life and the impact that I'm meant to make is a lot of people attach these unfair labels on you, these expectations on you based on how they think you should act. Mm. Cause I show up fine, little light skin. You know what I'm saying? You know, I walk in the room smiling. <laughs> people think I should act a certain way till I start talking. Then they'd be like this. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that lady don't sound like what she look like. I'm like, don't get it twisted. And I was a military officer. So <laughs> um, I, I no longer cater to the expectations of what other people think I should be. But it also, it, 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 it allows me, you know, in relationships, I was dating this guy and, and he came down um, to where I live and I was like, I cooked it y'all for the week. I cooked it uh, and I cooked it <laughs> <laughs> because I can. We washing towels every day. You were like, my God, I'm doing laundry and all that other kind of stuff. And I was like, hey, okay. So I that was a demo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. some people can't do it now. Right. I can't do it. Right. I, I can get out here and cut the grass right. And, right. and trim the hedges if you and need all this to. stuff. Yeah, but I'm not because I'm busy. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. So I said, if you need that though, yeah. I just showed you that I can. I can. How do you feel about a cleaning lady in the meal prep? <laughs> I ain't got time. Yeah. Um, my my time is too valuable. That hour, if y'all know how much I'm worth an hour, I, I can get paid twenty five thousand dollars speaking on the stage for an hour. Oh, I'm, I'm folding these clothes. I prefer to get twenty five k because. Uh, but I pay somebody hundred dollars to come over here and fold these clothes. So it's like. You know, a lot of people assume based on what I look like, right. what I should act like. Right. Um, and it's shocking to them when I'm not incongruent with what their expectations of me based on some external factors of you went to Harvard Business School or you did this, you did that. And I'll be like this, man, get out of here. I'm who I am. <laughs> right. Um, but that's what I want people to know. I, I, I'm very domestic. <laughs> oh, that's I amazing! I, 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 well, I, I will put this out there. We 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 usually do this with all our guests. If you're ever in Tampa, just let us know because we take all our podcast guests to dinner. So if you're ever in the Tampa area, I got some friends I'll, in Tampa. But come see. Yeah, come on down. And um, as we move into Final Four, speaking about dinners and chefs and baking, 
the first question of the final four, Christy, is if you can have dinner and at the dinner table, there's four seats, four chairs, you're in one and three other representatives are in the other three t- uh, chairs, alive or dead, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Uh, one, Napoleon Hill. I love obsessed with Napoleon Hill. Uh, why? Napoleon Hill studied 500 of the most successful people and he built success philosophy. So I, I got his, his latest book right here. Um, so Napoleon Hill will be one because he, because there are principles, there are guiding principles to success. And, and not only does he talk about money being number 12 on the 12 things that constitute real riches, but it pleases personality, sound physical health, sharing blessings with others. So we equate wealth to money. But if you give up your happiness and your joy and your peace of mind on the way to money, then you're not really rich. So Napoleon Hill be one. I would just drain him of a million questions. Um, two, Oprah. Oprah <clears throat> introduced me to spirituality. Or awareness of self in 2009 with her show when I worked at Capitol Hill because I can't work 80 hours a week. They go to work at nine, they get off at five. I'd be like, but can I come in at seven thirty? They'd be like, this, no. So and I had to get off at five o'clock as opposed to going, you know, getting off at ten. So it was off at five. I'm looking around like, what am I do? So I might well start watching Oprah. So she had all, you know, the Wayne Dyer and the Gary Zukoff and you know all these metaphysical teachers that got me back in alignment, or I would say closer to who I am in my inner being. So I'm just love to, you know, thank Oprah, uh, for, for what she's done. And, um, I mean, the last one is kind of hard because I always say that I'm gonna meet TD Jakes and Oprah and Joel Osteen, you know, Joel Osteen was, um, when I was an atheist for 20 years. And then when I started watching Oprah, it was talking about the universe. I'm like, does I like the universe? I believe in the universe. But it took me a while to figure out the universe and God is the same thing. People talk about they just it's what you call it. Source, infinite intelligence, the universe, God, Buddha. It's the same one energy, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was um, uh, on my way out of here, not combing my hair and not wearing socks, and, and in one of the darkest places that I've been in, and, you know, when I was leaving my career, I would drive an hour and a half to go to Joel Osteen's church uh, to, to get light. And then I would go back to darkness during the week. And then on Sunday, I drive an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back to Houston to like. So he teaches, um, you know, from a place of knowingness and, and from a place of lessons as, as opposed to just telling Bible stories. So, you know, to, to be able to thank him for that. And then T.D. Jakes. So when I was in my brother's house, T.D. Jakes talks about how to get out of the dungeon. Joel Osteen is operating at the 20,000 foot level. But when you hit the bottom, 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 I need some uh, some gravel on. <laughs> I need somebody on the rope that's going to tell me how to get through the fire. So that's what T.D. Jakes did. So they all played a part in, you know, who I am today. So I, I need four seats at that table. Five included. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, so many times while you were speaking, this whole podcast, I've I've just got to chill. My spirit just started dancing. And when you mentioned Napoleon Hill, it was dancing like that. It, and it actually took me back because I, I don't know if we were around the same age, but I went back to MC Hammer dances with my spirit. So I was just getting started when you would say certain things. And when you hit Napoleon Hill, because one of, one of our podcasts, Dre and I talked about Napoleon Hill, and they were talking about uh, – think rich or die or think and grow rich. I was like, no, his real book is about the laws of success. 
Those are twenty. Which one you like? Missing one. Which the one? Best one. The best is two of them. Uh, uh, the tell best me. one ever created. Outwitting the devil. Now that one, I was going to mention that because there's a YouTube video where he talks about that the whole thing. It's like. 12, 15 hours of YouTube. So that's the audio. Right? That's the audio book. Yeah, that's the audio book, yes. And I, I didn't to listen to, I listened to a piece of it, but the one I read in the before they had the audio books was The Law of Success. And now that you mentioned Outwitting the Devil, I'm going to circle back and listen to the oh, whole thing or just devil. read it. I've recommended Outwitting the Devil to at least 2,000 2, people in the past okay. um, 12 years. I thought my boss was the devil. That's how I started <laughs> listening to the book. Uh, but he... <laughs> I can't win this mofo. But um, out with the devil, I when I say obsessed, you know he talks about a magnificent obsession. I actually yes. I'm, I'm I'm friends with the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So now I get I get all my autograph copy books now. So when they first come uh, out. Yeah, I see. Um, so um so that one and then uh one that they just published, I think last year, is called Mastermind. Mm. Uh Mastermind. Yeah. When you listen, it's a it's it's not an audio book yet, but <clears throat> when you listen to how many times Napoleon Hill failed, mm-hmm. is I mean he had, he was married four times. He talked about all that, you know. He failed so much, and when I say I, I, it would be crazy stuff that would happen, he failed, he kept getting up, and any time that he got comfortable, because we're supposed to be talking about him. A hundred years later, or you know, uh, uh, sixty years after he's died, right? So he's on this path to to be somebody who we're going to be talking about hundreds of years from now. And every time he would settle and get comfortable, like right over here, uh, they they would burn it down to the ground, right? Mm. And then he would have to like, I would be like, how did this man keep getting up? It, the you got to read Master Mastermind was I was like, my God! So it. So he always wanted to talk about it. if you listen to you know your right to be rich or some of the books that mm-hmm. he says he, he, when he's talking in audio he would say I've always wanted to talk about my failures but the publishers never wanted to do that mm. but, but he kept manuscripts of his failure that's what mastermind was you'd be like my god I mean it was thirty it, y'all gotta read it. you'd be like oh my god he just so it gives you that fortitude to know that it can always be greater if you just don't quit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. I got two books that's on my list, and when we meet, I will have them read. So thank yeah. you. All right. Yeah. All right. Definitely, I win the devil. It's the greatest book of all time. All right. Second to the Bible. All right. So, Christy, what's been your greatest success? Um, you know, thinking about, you know, having a conversation with the um, the guy yesterday who reminded me of, of <laughs> I'm telling you, that was that was almost a it was a full circle moment because I have a lot of them, but. You know, I always say my greatest success is just never quitting. Because life will always, I, I developed crippling arthritis when I was 25. I got a lot, y'all. We could be on this phone for the next 25 <laughs> hours to be able to get through all the issues. I had to survive. But I had a handicap sign for six months. I was 25. And I remember thinking after crying for a year, blaming everybody, because mm. that's what you do, right? You feel mm. sorry for yourself. Mm. I was like, this, this ain't it. <laughs> This is not the way my story is supposed to end. I'm not supposed to be. I'm 25. I'm crippled. I have a handicap sign. And by the time you get a handicap sign, you're 25. That means that you need it. We always think we want the handicap sign because they get the best parking spaces. Oh, you actually need to park there. It's for a reason, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I never quit. 
And that's, you know, I never quit. And so one of the things that I held on to that Napoleon Hill said when I first, you know, burn out and, um, is that, you know, the only power that we're born with is the power to control and direct our minds into whatever means we desire. So right. I have the power to control and direct my own mind into whatever means I desire, not right. what people told me I should do, not what people told me I should accept as a black woman veteran. Three strikes, boop, you're out. Um, so, you know, not that people set up the, the limitations of what's possible for whoever is like, I made a decision at 25 that I wasn't going to quit. I made a decision at 18 that I'm going to defy, you know, the expectations of my family and actually go to college. I made a decision at this age to do this and then, you know, not to die in the fire and then not to die broken then not to, to leave a job that I know that I'm going to die in, um, you know, and now proving myself right with, you know, Bloomberg saying that black and brown women are going to lose most in the pandemic. So we did $10 million. So it's like, um, for me, I think the success, uh, like Snoop say, I want to congratulate me. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. awesome. It's, it's never quitting. Yeah. I love that. I want to congratulate me. I, I, I saw the TikTok where, where Snoop said that. I started laughing. But um, here's the third final four question. What is your greatest superpower? For example. The Hulk is strong, Superman flies, the Flash is fast, Wonder Woman has her lasso. What is the unique superpower that Christy Rutherford has that no one else has on the planet? My superpower is is easy for me. When I see a person, I don't see them for who they are uh, in the physical. I see them for who they are living in the fullness of their destiny, right? So I don't, I don't look at you for how you present yourself. I look at you in your infinite possibilities. And that's what made me successful as a military officer because I'm looking at people and I'm like, man, you only giving me 10% capacity. I need 120 because we're going to win. I've always been like this. We're going to get these awards and, you know, whatever. But it's like my gift is to be able to see a person for who they can be living in the fullness of their potential now I got to coerce these mofos to get out of the way and get uncomfortable so we can actually become this person. And so that made me successful in my career. I created high performance teams. And now it's the same thing with, uh, you know, the women that I work with. They're, they're showing up, hiding brokenness and crazy. I'd be like this. You know, I look at crazy in the mirror every day. I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. I'm like, mm, crazy. They'd be like, you can tell. Yes, girl, yes. Uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't hide all that crazy behind that Chanel brooch, the Gucci belt this right. big. You be like this. You know I can see. You know I can see that. You can see that. So right, right, right. I, I can see them for who they are, but then I can also see if they choose to make the decision to get out of the way and 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 do the work to come back to themselves and who they are. So when we get the you know, the testimonials and, you know, I get them all the time of like, you know, what we've done for the women in their lives and the money is just a byproduct of that. Uh, that's my superpower. Now it's, it's hard in relationships because I see a person for who they potential is. And you like, oh my God, I can see right through that S5, was it the S500 and Mercedes? I see, oh, I see what's S5, behind that. I see what's behind that. I, I'm not impressed by those no S500 because you uh, could be a, you know, yeah, I ain't going to say I was going to cuss. Street, but, street um, pharmaceuticals. No, it's not. No, I can, I, can see, I can see past that. But the problem is when you're dating somebody 
who, and it, it, you know, it is what it is, but I see them living in the fullness of who they can be, not who they are. And some people are stuck with being who they are. You'd be mm. like, you know, you could be so much greater. <laughs> um, but, you know, at 40, you know, 47, so in our 40s and, and such, yeah. some people that are stuck in their stories and they won't come out of it. And, it's, and I would say it's difficult for a person who's overcome so much to believe any limitation that's been placed on a person in a season. I, just, I don't believe it. So I, I, I rock with you for a little bit, but I ain't trying to hear that story after a while. You'd be like, right. no, you can, you can overcome that. Because I've lived it, so. Anyway. So, so that, that brings me to another question. This is this isn't the final question, but I, I'm curious. Have have you had men come to you for help as well? And if so, what's the difference between um, what their needs are versus the women that you've helped? I, I've coached. I, I I think I may have to rescind that statement. I've I've gotten more men promoted than women. Did I not tell you about my Coast Guard days and how they killing the game over there? Okay. So I was okay. just getting started with the women. The, the the reason why I was working with women, God is like, you need to work with women who are just like you. I was like, nah, I don't even like women. I ain't trying to do that. Yeah. He's like, well, I ain't gonna give you no money. So that's what took me a little bit while longer to make some money in my business because I wasn't trying to be obedient. I was like, I don't even like women. Um, and then, uh, but there's a difference between women and ambitious women. Mm-hmm. You're like, go after who you used to be because mm-hmm. if I could set an ambitious woman free, she's gonna touch 10,000 or a million people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the great impact. I work with leaders. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've had men, uh, I actually had one of my, uh, clients who, who former clients who inboxed me the other day. It's just the business is just a little different now, but I've coached men. I've coached some of my Harvard classmates. I've okay. coached, you know, men, I've coached my mentors. I used to coach some of my bosses. So mm. I've, I've coached a lot of men. And then we did one men's cohort, um, this year, we won't do another one ever again. Uh, cause it took us too far outside of it. But, mm. um, so yeah, so the, the, the difference I would say uh, a part of the work that I do is I try to figure out what, where are you stuck? Mm-hmm. So a lot of successful people, the reason why you're not getting to a, a certain level is like a catapult with like a little linchpin is like right here. And I call it your trauma default. What is your default response to somebody telling you that you can't do something? We instantly prove you wrong. What is your default response to, you know, women showing up? Or what's your default response? So I had one client uh, who lived in New Zealand who was the youngest, you know, principal of this consultant company. And he was the, you know, graduated top in his high school, freaking grad school, college, and there was something driving it. Well, when he was younger, uh, the, the country ended up going to war. They, he lived in Somalia. They went to war. And they lived in tents for two years. Mm. So now in his adulthood, he's not connecting it, but that's what I do. In his adulthood, he's showing up at work, always thirsty for feedback. Leaders only gonna give you feedback for so much. After a while, you be like this, hey, bruh. That's what we tell you, you break every meeting, right? So if he didn't get feedback, he would be freaked out. So we had to figure out what is the root of that. So we go to the root of like what's creating the problems that you're suffering with today. Mm. And so it was in his mind, if he's talking in a meeting and you don't like him, he thinks he's going to get fired. Mm. If he gets fired, he's going to lose everything. And then he's going to move back into a tent. Mm. So, and then he always talked about being seen in a room and being seen in a room. The dude is like six, three, he's huge. (laughs) So he was living from the mind of his 10 year old trauma. Mm. That's why he was always trying to be taller. I'm like, bro, when you in the room, People know you with it. You're like six three, right? And his and his spirit is huge. 
But that's but that was the work. So the work is the same for men and women. We're trying to go back and 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 figure out where you're stuck and why you don't see yourself. And so one of my clients who's had a lot of therapy and he's done a lot of things and he was he's in our male in our men's group that we had. And so, but he, he doesn't see how great he is. And so it, it took a while. I said, you know, the hardest people to work with are the people who do, who work with personal development companies because they think they know everything mm. or the people who had therapists because they, they think they know everything. And I'm like, so you've done a lot, but there is something that's smoldering. There's a fire that's smoldering that you ain't put out. And y'all know how forest fires get started. A forest fire, most forest fires get started when people thought they put the fire out and something came by and sparked it and then it burned like most of it down. Mm. Like, so you still got something. We got to figure out what it is. And once we figured it out, it was um, his ex-wife's mama broke up their marriage. Whoa. He never forgave that lady. She died like 15 years ago. He had no idea because he's done all the work. I've gone to therapy. Like me and my ex-wife, we talk all the time and I've mm. done this and I've done that and I got a therapy on this and like, mm. you know, and so we had to figure it out and it's based on what his triggers were. He, do, he doesn't like women to give him an ultimatum. So mm. once I started to get them triggers, now we got to dig up where that's coming from right. and he loathed that lady died 15, 20 years ago. But once we figured out what that was, and then he had to do the work to forgive her. He mm. said he woke up the next day, ran his fastest, you know, six miles ever, right? And then, you know, I got a text from the other day where four speaking engagements just fell out of the sky. So now he's wow. getting paid to speak. So wow. now he's showing up bigger because he's letting that go. So that's really the work that we do. Wow, wow. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask this obvious question. With all that you've shared, I imagine listeners are probably chomping at the bit to have an opportunity to have you coach them. What's the best way for them to reach you? And we'll link that to our show notes. Oh, okay. So they can text CHANGE NOW to 66866. Again, CHANGE NOW to 66866. Or they can go with CHANGE NOW with Christy. And um, I have a video that shares how to get a 30% raise this year without getting another degree. Stop getting all these degrees! Um, <laughs> and they can get that change now. Uh, text change now to 66866 or go to change now with Christy. So I want, um, you know, and then I have my uh, YouTube channel is The Vision Finder, where you can search my name, Christy Rutherford. And what I want is, you know, for people to become acquainted with the information. You know, my best clients are the ones who followed me for a little bit, right? You don't mm. have the immediate, but it's like, it's, I'm a lot. So that, that cold intro uh, is shocking for most people. <laughs> they be like, I thought you was going to act different. You sound just like you do in videos. You'd be like, I'm the same. So, um, but yeah, they get that insight and then they see what we do and they can choose whether or not it's right for them. And, yeah. uh, you know, I love um setting women free from themselves. And that's my, that's my service now. That's I, I am who I needed 10 years ago to, to, to wrestle these chicks to the ground and, you know, put them in the headlock and get them to change so they could be present, you know, with their family so they could be present with their kids so they could be present with their husbands. And then we're going to get this money too. Ain't about the money, but we're going to get this money. All right. Mm -hmm. I like it. So here's the fin last final four question. You've written six books. 
the last. I've, I've written, I've published, I've written 16, I've published nine. Where do I get six from? Okay, well, thank you. One thing we can be sure of that you'll keep me honest throughout the entire process here. That's a short bio. That's a short bio. Okay, so, so, and feel free to correct me on this one too. Have you written a bio, uh, an autobiography yet? I'm thinking no, but maybe you have. Have you? Uh, and if you haven't, story. if you haven't, what's what would be the title of the uh, autobiography if you hadn't written it yet? Oh my God! Endure, endure to the end. It gets better. I like it. It gets better if you endure. Endure. Okay. Don't endure. take my title because I'm I'm gonna get go back and get that right now. <laughs> yeah. Endure to the end. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 Christy, I I must confess, this has been enlightening. Like I said, my. My spirit has been dancing like MC Hammer on numerous occasions, and and you're a breath. You're like a, a hurricane of energy, and it's just so fascinating to meet someone like you. Your your chemistry, your presence, your effervescence, your undying words and expressions. I, I just want to thank you and tell you that we appreciate you immensely for being here, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge with our listeners. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks, Miley. Thanks, Dre. I wasn't correcting you, Dre. You know, <laughs> Dre don't like to be wrong. That's his trigger. Hey, Smiley, that's his trigger. I'm all, Let's dig deeper. I'm all, and, uh, I'm my feelings now. You got you wrong. I'm all, that's I'm, I'm about feelings <laughs> now. It's too late. It's too late. He's, <laughs> he's going to sign up for a session because he's like, man, I got corrected on every step. <laughs> but no, uh, Christy, it's, it's been real. I, I, I can't, Smiley, keep me honest here, too. This is your opportunity to correct me. I can't think of a guest that we've had that's been so energetic and fun and have so much depth and, um, you know, and, and a lot to offer to obviously her, her clients, but our, our listeners as well. It's been, it's been an incredible, incredible uh, podcast. Thanks. Thanks for joining Christy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I had a good time. Thanks for inviting me. This was uh this was awesome. Thanks for the questions because y'all are asking me questions that, I would say uh, that I haven't revealed parts of who I am because it's a lot, but it's good though. It's all making sense now. Thanks so much, Dre Smiley. Before we end, are you sure, Christy, the title of the autobiography shouldn't be, I'm a lot?